Ladies and gentlemen, it's your buddy Gavin. Filibuster Freestyle, the final ever Wine Wall and Dragons podcast because Game of Thrones is over. Series finale was last night, season eight, episode six. Probably a lot of people thinking a lot of things right now. Totally fair. A lot to unpack with our buddy Dan O'Brien coming up after the theme song. Uh, we let this one marinate a little bit. We usually would do this show traditionally right after the show ended. We'd briefly compose ourselves and dive right in. We gave ourselves an extra 24 hours, essentially, to kind of make some sense of, of it all. Um, and yeah, so I was, I'm just going to right go with that and go right there. I'm going to leave the, the majority of this podcast to uh, Dan joining me for the final episode of Wine Wall and Dragons. Filibuster Freestyle will continue on, obviously, filibusterfreestyle.com. So subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review. Leave a rating at the very least. Leaving a rating takes like one second. Um, subscribe on SoundCloud. Share and like our tweets. At Gavin Viano is where I usually post this stuff. Anyway, um, here comes the theme song. Filibuster Freestyle, Wine Wall and Dragons, one last time with our buddy Dan O'Brien talking Game of Thrones. Filibuster, filibuster freestyle, filibuster, filibuster. Watch out for the filibuster. Filibuster, filibuster freestyle. Filibuster freestyle. It's the filibuster freestyle. Filibuster freestyle. Ladies and gents, as promised, a brief intro, a brief theme song, so we can dedicate it all. To our man in Philadelphia and the Wine Wall and Dragons peeps, Dan O'Brien joins us. What's going on, man? Nothing, Gav. I'm here for the, I guess, the, the final Wine Wall and Dragons of all time. The final Wine Wall and Dragons of all time. I do reserve the right, however, good sir, for, <laughs> for a few things. Number one, if the spinoff that they eventually do on the Age of Heroes, which is like a very much a prequel, takes right. off and becomes a thing... I reserve the right to either repurpose the name or, you know, bring back this concept. Also, if our boy George Double R. Martin ever brings out his sixth and seventh books, we probably need to do a pod on that. All right, well, there's, there's two things there is that uh, you're the, the freestyle lawyers can contact my lawyers about, you know, the contract for that. Totally fair. Uh, totally fair. And also, if it's to be judged by how I read the first few books, once he comes out with the book, give me about 10 years to read it. <laughs> then we can do a podcast. That is the big difference between a show that they force feed you every Sunday and a book, which does take, I will say this, I've alluded to it during this podcast before, uh, Yankee Swap, White Elephant Party, Pollyanna, whatever you call it, Bad Christmas Present Party Swap, I got George R. R. Martin's newest book, Fire and Blood, aptly named... <laughs> for the last couple yeah. of weeks of Daenerys Targaryen's reign. But um, it, it took me from Christmas until two weeks ago to read. So, yeah, it's not a quick read. <laughs> no, not like. It's, it's May 20th. Took me about four and a half months. Sweet. Well, so, anyway. Well, here we are. Here we are. I know everybody wants to hear us talk about books they haven't read, but <laughs> instead, let's talk about the show that everybody watched, for better or for worse. Game of Thrones. By the way, everybody, Dan and I have not spoken about what we thought about last night's show. We we didn't we didn't text during the episode, so we I, I have no idea how you thought and and vice versa. Correct. So before we do that, let me ask you if you picked up on this and if you think there's anything to it. So there was a recurring line, especially in the first part of the episode last night, in which people were saying. Either they don't get to choose, or she doesn't get to choose, or he doesn't get to choose, and it's kind of all about like 
Daenerys is the queen and she gets to do what she wants, blah, blah, blah. But do you, right. think, do you think it was a little bit of heavy handedness to the fans being like, you know, none of you get to choose. You get to watch. We made the show. We know it's not perfect, but you were in for seven and a half years. You're turning on us now. You're filing petitions. You're being babies. You don't get to choose. We get to so choose. That, I, I mean, I noticed it, but I didn't make it. I didn't make the connection to that. And in thinking about it, I don't think that they thought about it that directly. Because you got to remember, these were filmed like a year and change ago. Good point. Very good point. Season, season seven and eight were filmed at the same time. Um, so before any, even before backlash of season seven, any potential backlash. Um, huh. That's plus, good, that's good trivia right there. Good. That's why you're. That's why you've been our, our co-pilot this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the brains behind this whole operation, Gavin. Everybody knows. It. No question about it. I just press play and talk. It's all good. <laughs> Plus the crack research here team is here on a Monday night. On the Monday night, slaving away, crack research team. But I did think that was a bit, that was in there purposefully, and it wasn't by accident. That was a theme that they kept going through, going to. Uh, and it might. I don't know exactly why, but I don't think I don't think it was a, uh, something to the to the, the viewers. As a response to criticism. Totally agree. Okay, so everybody, I have no idea what Dan and I are going to say next. Spoiler alerts abounding from here on out. So if you haven't listened and you decided to give it like a three-minute listen, okay, good for you. Weird flex. But anyway, uh, (laughs) we're going to talk about deaths of people you like and outcomes of things you may not know. Dan, I just want to hear what your thoughts are. Like, well, I, I like how you gave a spoiler alert for the first time ever in the very last episode of the podcast, of the Wide Wong Dragons version. As Rocky once said in a ring in Moscow, fictitiously, if I can change and you can change, we can all change. Okay. All right, let's go with it. I like it. So what do you think? I mean, give me like the overall, because I have no idea what, where you're going, and I'll tell you what I thought, but I'm going to give you the chances, you know, the, all right. the esteemed guest... I, and this is this is the first time we've done this with 24 hours to reflect. So, yes, absolutely. Um, and so I'm not sure how that will frame the pod, but it'll, whether it make will make it better or worse. I've heard and seen uh, some other people's reflections on it. So I was I felt fairly strongly about this episode, okay. and I was surprised how across the board the feelings were. Huh. Um, I, I thought there was a lot of people hated it, a lot of people loved it, a lot of people were like, eh, meh. Um, I, I, I will just say that I have not enjoyed an episode less than I did the one last night. Okay. Uh, and, and that's not to say it was all bad or it was all awful. And I still love the entire experience. Uh, it was a fantastic show. Last night's episode was entertaining. Don't get me wrong. But I have some very specific bones to pick. With, with the storytelling, which we knew all year. And, you know, I've been pretty gracious. Uh, you have. All year. You know, I, I understand the time constraints that they have. They are self, self-imposed self time time constraints. You know, HBO would have let them do 15 seasons. Or yes. Would have let them do done 10 episodes of the season if yes. they wanted to. They felt the need. Uh, but they said no, only six, a couple elongated ones. Um, but I, I understand those restrictions that they had in storytelling isn't going to be perfect, and that's fine. I just had a I, I have whiplash from the last couple of weeks uh, talking about the biggest existential threat in the realm is the Night King. Three weeks ago, then two weeks ago, the biggest existential threat in the realm was Cersei, and then the last week it was Danny, and then this week it was Time Crown of King, and it's 
Brand, whose hat had never even been in the ring, who two weeks ago was saying he's not even Brand Stark, he's not human, he doesn't want or desire anything. Yes. And then, and then last night he's like, <laughs> slow play. I'm the king. I've been waiting for this my whole since I fell yeah, out of that damn I tree. Did. This has been part of my master plan. Here I am, people. Um, and I just like, I didn't love that he was the king, but I just felt the switch. It was so totally off from the first six, even seven seasons. Yeah. Um, about how they just switched things and characters did make uh, It felt clumsy. And like yeah. I said, I, I, I didn't mind the rush of season seven, even the rush of season eight. Um, was was fine and understandable, but it just how it ended just felt uh, it, it felt off from from what we've come to know. Yeah, I mean the fact that they made us think about how much time we spent over like five seasons with Theon in a dungeon. Think yeah. about how much time we spent with Joffrey as the king, and how little that matters to anything. And all I'm saying, my only bone to pick is. You said you could wrap up the last two seasons in 13 episodes. We gave you the benefit of the doubt. You clearly needed 15-plus episodes. Yeah. And like you said, Dan, you nailed it. And not to belabor the point, but to piggyback on it, you said you could do this. HBO would have given you the longest runway possible. So all the time constraint stuff is self-imposed, self-inflicted, and just speaks to the fact that once they lost the source material or the books, I think they just wanted it to be over as quickly as possible. Yeah, it seemed it seemed like I think the actors were ready to move on. Understandably, you know they've been doing this for a long for a long time. Apparently, a lot of the shoots are pretty grueling. Um, you know, they're outdoors and wherever Northern Ireland and you sure, know, some other sure. Iceland and wherever. Um, so I, I get it. And again, I don't want to. I'm not one of those people who's like fear mad at the show and upset and like cursing out their creators. It was still a, an amazing experience. For God's sakes, we've devoted dozens of hours podcasting. Yeah. You know, 80 plus hours watching the show, you know, however many, you know, we've digested hundreds of hours of material, read, read for hundreds of hours. Yeah. And it was all well worth it. It was great. I, you know, and just kind uh, of complain about some, some story choices that they took. Yeah. And we'll, and, we're, and we'll do that. And I agree with that. And my, my only solace is that I, um, I hope that George Martin, if he does even do a sixth book, gives us a couple different like roots. Just, I a hundred percent agree. I will. I am all in for a book where he, uh, you know, does a couple fakes and twists and turns that aren't in the series. I don't. I don't want a retelling of this story. Correct. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. And so maybe that's the boring thing. So let me let me do this. I'm going to go through a few things, kind of like we typically do. See, if we can get rolling a little bit. Get a few things out there. I've got some odd questions and such that I sprinkled in. Some weird things. I do agree with you that having a day to think about it and seeing some internet stuff. It's given me a couple of interesting questions to reflect on that I normally wouldn't have 10 minutes after the show ends like we usually do. So hopefully that'll be, you know, a little bit, a little, little fun wrinkle on the last day of the, last day of the ever. Um, All right, well, before, before you get into it, do you want to tell me overall what you thought of the episode or do you want to hold on to it? Because yeah, I'm in the dark. Uh, yeah, let me do that. Um, you know, I, I agree that it, typically the end of every season of every HBO drama is... A lot less jaw-dropping and a lot more exposition. Here's what's going to happen next or mm-hmm. fade into oblivion. So actually, they were not off-brand for the episode. Off-brand, excuse me, for the episode. <laughs> the, the, the issue is 
again, I just thought they needed like two more episodes this season to, to do it in a way that wasn't so jarring. But um, I thought the episode was basically two episodes. I thought it was yeah. the beginning with the carnage through John killing Danny and Drogon burning down the Iron Throne. I want to get to that part specifically in a minute. Had some great moments there. And I that thought. was one movie or one show, one episode. And then they gave us the epilogue. But because we had to watch it all at once, I think they screwed the pooch. I think it would have been stronger as a standalone episode. Danny dies. Drogon brain burns the throne. Fade to black. And the next week, we have the frigging King Choice and all that. So I, I thought they were trying to do too much. But I don't disagree with a, a ton of it in terms of like what they had to do because they only had the sixth show. But right. I would have made some other choices too, and I think we'll get into that. All right. Well, okay. Let's go. Let's go through the episode. And you have some questions. And we'll, uh, so yeah. So super quickly, we. I'm going to skip all the walking through rubble and burnt bodies. That's fine. Um, but you've got Tyrion finding Jamie and Cersei underneath uh, the entire Red Keep worth of bricks, of course. And he's all sad about it. And guess what? I don't care. It, it was. It was a little maudlin. It was a little heavy handed. But I'll tell you, it was some really good imagery. I thought it was pretty powerful. Um, I think a lot of people just wanted to see Jamie and Cersei, specifically Cersei, get that on-camera painful death um, that, that you know she deserved. She absolutely um, deserved it. What do you think about that now that we've had a week to digest it, now that we've seen and confirmed that she is dead? A couple people, including your own Dan Ruddle, was incredibly angry that she kind of got off easy. Um, yeah, well, and may I also add for the listeners, I watched last night's episode with Dan Ruddle, oh. um, and he was... Intensely angry. He's probably furious, right? (laughs) And you know, I'm not going to say I wasn't totally. We were. uh, We watched it, and there were some curse words going on. Yeah, he he definitely um, has not enjoyed this season one bit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's been upset every episode, I think. Um, Anyway, so so yeah, about Cersei and Jamie, I my I think people are upset, and I, I get this in that. She she got a fairly happy ending death, especially compared to some of the viciousness that yes. happened to people on the show before. Like, she died with her, you know, it, it was Jamie's true love. Cersei was a little more, it was ambivalent to whether she was completely head over heels for Jamie. Although, you know, they, they loved each other's brother and sister in the natural way. Correct, um, sure. and I think, but she was more willing to take to, to take any partner. Uh, in the name of power. Yes. But, you know, she died with the person she was, in the books that he's supposed to be with, you know, like her, her true partner was her brother, strangely. Um, but then she got, she got to die. They got to die in each other's arms and they, they died in King's landing. Um, it, they just got crushed by rubble, which is practically like fall dying in your sleep on a, on a, on a gossamer pillow in, in the world of game of Thrones. Like, cause that's, you know, people's heads have exploded and, and all manner of, eaten by dogs and such. She certainly is one of the uh, best slash worst television villains of all time. Um, and so she had a fairly graceful death and, and didn't didn't get the, the real comeuppance that, you know, we've seen Ramsey Bolton or even Littlefinger get. Yeah, uh, totally agree. You know, so I think people, people wanted, they, they had a little bloodlust to get her. Um, but I thought, I thought the death, all, while a little watered down, was... I, I thought it was powerful to, for them to die together, and you know, they were always sort of strangely grossly meant to be together, and they got to they they got that uh, 
not happy ending, but they got that ending. Sure. So, yeah, I'd agree with that. So, so I think Tyrion was going for his Emmy moment. I'm not sure if he's going to get it there on that one, Dinklage. Maybe they'll submit some other tape. He had a lot of chances this season on Emmy Real stuff. So let's fast forward. Uh, Danny's giving a fascist dictator-like speech in either Dothraki or Valerian or the unsullied language of Astapor or some triumvirate of the three. We get it. She's a menace now. She's a fascist yeah. now. We get it. We get it. We get it. Great, like some really, really powerful Im- imagery there, though. Like her walking out with a dragon behind Super her. Super cool. That was one of the best shots of the whole series. Yeah, that was that was amazing. I, I want that on a poster. Um, and then <laughs> you know having numerous, uh, as we said last week and the week before, the numerous unsullied and Dothraki standing presenting. It's like they're rabbits or like. <laughs> Gremlins from the movie Gremlins were like, you get them wet and they multiply. What the hell is going on? There was five of them left two weeks ago in Winterfell. Yeah, I, I don't know where the, um, the Dothraki, okay, you can argue. Maybe they held some, not all of them charged. All right, I get it. Where the heck else were they hiding? I don't know, because they had to be inside the castle with their house, with their horses, or they would have gotten eaten. Right. Uh, but the Unsullied were clearly they were getting dead. Shooters. They were getting chewed up out in front of those gates, and they closed the front of the Winterfell gates. They saved, they let everybody get in and basically sacrificed themselves. And then out of nowhere, you five, ten, however many thousand, both Dothraki and Unsullied pop up and are bloodthirsty. Um, and that, I, I was on the edge of my seat that they were, again, it was watching the full heel turn of, of Danny. Yep. Um, which we, you know, we predicted, so it wasn't. It wasn't that we didn't see that coming. They're waiting it for it, yeah, for sure. For sure. But it, it was like a lot of this episode. It was heavy-handed, um, but it was it was compelling. And I didn't know. I'm looking at my watch and thinking, all right, we're ten minutes into this episode. We have seventy-two minutes left. How how the heck are they going to wrap this up with the? You know, they've got tens of thousands of soldiers. This woman is super powerful, and it was uh, interesting. I'll, real quick, uh, just to go back to your Dinklage point, he was really swinging for the fences last night, and I don't necessarily mean that as a huge compliment. Yes. Um, he was really acting. Acting, uh, genius, thank you. In this business we call show, he was a going for it last night uh, for the Emmys, and I think he could have underplayed it a tad bit. Um, but yeah. Completely agree. All right. So... We get that she's a menace, and my only question, because Tyrion walks up to her, essentially hands in his badge, literally, throws his hand pin down the steps. She takes him prisoner. Why doesn't she just kill him right there? You know, like, I, I, know, she, I know it's for the story, but, like, that's the move. <laughs> I thought, you know, that's what would line up with anything else they've done. Um, and I was, I let out a, a light gasp when he took off his pin and threw it down, because I thought he was going to get it right there. Me too. Um, which would have been interesting. Um Quite honestly, um, and not that her heel turn had all, hadn't already been solidified, um, but then that would have made everyone in America hate her for killing. You know, everybody loves Tyrion. I feel like, um, or has grown to love him. Um, yeah, I thought that was amazing. I thought it was really good, and that the next conversation. Yeah, and Jon Snow is standing in the background. He sees all this nonsense. Yep. He sees the speech, and this leads me to my. My main qualm with the first half of the episode, okay. which I thought was generally interesting and compelling, I, I thought it looked beautiful, and I, I got it. It was okay. 
my main qualm was Jon Snow was, we watched the battle basically through him and Arya's eyes last week. Yes. We, they were, they were, you know, they, they took the place of the viewer. We, like, they saw firsthand all the awful things that the Northmen and the Dothraki and the Unsullied and Danny and the Dragon, they killed, you know, whatever, six figures of people yes. in Kingsland. The city of a million people, they probably killed at least 100,000. Um, especially that dragon. And then the aftermath, he's walking through the rubble, he sees all that stuff. Then he's on top of those steps and he sees this speech that is basically saying, we are, we own everything, including Winterfell. And if you don't come bow down to us, we will cut your, cut your heads off. And then he's still not, what made me so upset, the dumb Jon Snow, that yeah. you're seeing all this stuff is still like, Danny's my queen. I don't know. Uh, you know, what am I going to do? I know she's in a bad way right now. And uh, maybe, uh, I don't know what we're going to do. It made me so upset that he was still like hemming and hauling about what he was going to do. Yeah. I mean, it, it took a conversation with Arya in which she says, John, you're a threat to her. You'll always be a threat to her. I know a killer when I see one, which by the way, she killed a hundred thousand people last week. So we do too. But, uh, <laughs> But also, you know, Tyrion and John, uh, sorry, have a lot of conversations too. So John's getting a ton of negative feedback from about his aunt slash paramour slash queen, and um, the best he can muster after like essentially two heart to hearts with Arya and Tyrion is, "Love is the death of duty," and, and then Tyrion has to say, "Well, duty is the, is the death of love," and they we quote the great Aegon, sorry, Aemon Targaryen, who by the way, Danny's uncle. Brother of the Mad King, Meister yeah, at Castle Black. Yeah, Master Raymond, yeah. So it's nice to see. But that goes back to, I want to oh, I want to get this to the, the end with John's fate, but Meister Eamon was actually the best heir to the throne um, when Robert was killed and all that. And, but he took the black, and obviously when we take the black, you know no nobility and all that. But, you know, that's another Targaryen who did not want the throne. Because he could have had the throne before the Mad King in terms of birth order. Just want to throw that out there. What could have been in the realm? But it's, it's the only full-blooded Targaryen we've ever been aware of that hasn't had a bloodthirsty lust for the Iron Throne. Correct. Correct. And he really helped John out back in the day. So anyway, yeah. I will say this. That gets us to a point where Danny is walking up to the throne. And it's very similar to a dream sequence, which I noticed today on, on the interwebs. That she had in like season two or so, where the Red Keep is in ruins, but the, the throne is there, kind of open air, you know, the convertible style on the roof because she burned it down. It's all coming true, and that the vision is coming true, and she touches the throne. And, you know, as bad as she's been in the last hour and a half of TV, <clears throat> in the 10 years I've known her, she's been bad for an hour and a half, but now I'm not supposed to like her anymore. Anyway, I still kind of felt like her walking up and touching that throne was pretty awesome. And, for that moment, I was hoping there was some way out of this thing until I saw John's shadow get cast in the archway across the way. And then, I, and then I figured it wouldn't end well. And I do want to give a shout out to Drogon, who was disguised as a mountain of snow for a while, sleeping outside, and then yeah. scaring the crap out of everybody, including John, on the way in when John was going to talk to Danny. Anyway. There was a lot of really good things about this episode, really cool cool things and that that was one of them that was neat um yeah my my big thing is that john like i said john had no idea what to do was still backing danny until a 
two-minute speech from Tyrion. Right. The that was what put him over the edge. It wasn't killing 100,000 people. It wasn't even his sister saying, like, you're screwed. Yeah, you know, it was him saying, think about your sisters. They're probably not going to bend the knee. And I think that yeah. was what he, what he left him on. So so now we get Danny and John talking. And they're having a nice moment. And she takes one more crack. And we might as well embrace it and lean in one more time, Dan, to the old... How can we be lovers if we can't be friends, even though we're related to John? And says, dude, let's do this together. Let's be king and queen. I like this part. This was, this was actually interesting, and this had me, for I had very different emotions within like a three-second period where she, they started kissing and John leaned into it. Yep. And I, I was like, holy cow, what a swerve that would be. If they were just like, John would just like lean into the incestuous relationship. And he was like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a choice. That would have been a real choice that I would have been like, wow. I mean, how okay. bad would America be today if that happened? Because it, it was the reaction that every time now that they kiss, like they kiss briefly, she tried to, to kiss him last episode. Every time they kiss now, I'm kind of like curling up in a like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And last week's kiss was sort of like not reciprocated back. And then when he started to like kiss her back, it was just like, oh no. But then what that meant was like, oh my God, could they potentially just lead and be the incestuous heroes of the story? Yeah, that was going to be the full like, when Hulk Hogan joined WCW back in the day as Hollywood Hogan, full, full heel exactly. turn. That would have been the and full heel turn. A, that would have been a really crazy choice, but it, I, I'm not sure how I would have felt about it, but it would have been interesting, that's for sure. I mean, imagine um, if we're here talking today about this actually happening on the show versus us making it up. But anyway, there was a, there was a split second there when it could have gone that way. And then, of course, John, dagger out of nowhere, stabs Daddy, Danny right in the heart. Danny's dead. Spoiler alert. Danny's dead. Again, that, that was tough. And that, that was... I gasped like a, a half a second while they're kissing. The kiss was what three seconds long. Sure. The, fir- the first two seconds, I was thinking about, oh my god, they're going to be a heel couple. The third second, before he stabbed her, I was like, oh my god, he's going to stab her, and then he did. Um, and I thought it was, I thought it was really cool and beautiful. And then the dragon comes in, Drogon, who probably did some of the best acting of the episode. Drogon had, in my mind, the night of his life because. Last week, he was just a wrecking machine. But this week, I actually think he may have been the most deep character of them all. Like, I, Yeah. I, well, I mean, I, not, not maybe not on purpose, and it's kind of like unintentional comedy that we're even saying this seriously, and it probably shows how the other actors maybe weren't quite there this week, but Drogon uh, made some choices as, a, as, an, as a, maybe a quasi-sentient being, and, being, and uh, I was there for it. These are days when the guy who played Smeagol in Lord of the Rings was talked about for being nominated, even though it's basically a cartoon. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, then we can give Drogon a big shout out. Yeah, if I can get hologram Drogon at next year's Emmys, I would feel really good about that. Um, but anyway, really quickly, I wanted to bring up that Danny's story has always been rumored to have three betrayals. One's for love, one's for blood, and one's for gold. And last night, Jon Snow's actions... They could either be for love or blood because they're related and in love. Just want to point that out. Other, what were her other betrayals? Uh, for gold, Jorah. for love, and for, for blood. Yeah, but who were the, it was Jorah the traitor for gold. Yep. And then I think the blood one, people, well, people had said, see, people had said the love one was when Drogon got kind of like killed by that queen, the witch lady, because she was trying to save her baby, but that she had to kill Drogon. 
And then, so this one might have been for blood. Because no, not drug and chance to kill. Uh, what's his name? Jason Momoa. Cal, his Cal, name. Drug, Cal Drogo. Yeah, Cal Drogo. Yeah. Cal Drogo. I'm so sorry. Cal Drogo. So anyway, oh, okay. I think this one might have been for blood versus love because they're related. They're, cous- they're cousins, their uncle, their second, whatever. Mm. So anyway. All right, yeah. Good catch. Wanted to point that out there. So anyway, let's get back to Drogon. Drogon comes in, stares John right in the face. Now John has been stared at in the face by all the dragons, living and dead. <laughs> and this one has the most reason to want to burn John alive. And is the meanest. Is the meanest, is the most skilled. Now, really good question for pundit Cindy Harrington. She wanted to ask in real time, did Drogon not burn John because John is a Targaryen and can't be burnt like Danny? Now, I think they would have showed us that at some other point if that was the actual reason. But what do you think about that? I think it's a good question. Well, he... I, well, the, first of all, all Targaryens... You can burn some Targaryen. Yeah, so you know, can, vis- vis- Viserys, her brother, exactly. his head was melted by molten gold, so yes. Yeah, so the fact that he's only half Targaryen, I would imagine that he can probably get burned. Um, why? The, I'd like to hear it explained officially, because I haven't really seen an explanation why Drogon didn't. Um, it obviously has he has some sort of connection to Jon, even though it just, but it just also, with the character of Drogon, it's just not... It doesn't seem like he wouldn't murder whoever killed his mom. And this goes to my point a few minutes ago about Drogon having the deepest night. Because what Drogon did, in theory, you could make the argument, even though it's a dragon, and a fake dragon at that, in a fake world. Drogon said, you know what, John, you did the right thing, even though it took Tyrion a pep talk to have you to do it. He's like, I get it. I'm not yeah, gonna, I'm one, not gonna, last, one last time, Tyrion had to explain to John why Danny's bad. Right. I'm not going to burn you, but maybe Drogon was having a little bit of buyer's remorse from blowing up at least 20% of King's Landing. And he's like, you know what? This lady sh- needed to go because I'm not that bad of a dragon. But, but these, this these stupid throne of yours, the stupid throne of yours that we've been dealing with for 11 years, it's gone. Bye. See ya. The wheel's broken. Cool. Hey, that was, that was n- neat to see the... Uh, to see it melt that throne, it, but it, it still it leaves me. I'm curious as to why he just didn't kill John right there, other than for story purposes, like we said. Um, literally story purposes, and the throne actually is a a literal and figurative better burn there because um, it's the spin the symbol of the whole goddamn thing. Excuse me. Whoa, come on, Gavin. Jeez. Well, every every week you get you get heated and say something. It's like just that. one, just one a week, you know. <laughs> but um, but listen, that brings me to uh, my first odd question of the week. All right. So the Iron Throne is burnt to nothingness. Gone. We all remember the lead up to this season. Las Vegas has had crazy odds on all these characters to sit on the Iron Throne. To all those who gambled money, here's what just happened. Number one, the Iron Throne was just melted down. So in theory, nobody is sitting on it. Now, Danny touched it. We saw her touch it, and she clearly she conquered the city and was the queen before that and before John killed her. Bran ends the night as the king, but he ends the night of, as the king of the six kingdoms because he lets Sansa be a queen in her own right in the north. So my thought is all that money in Vegas is owed back. It's a push. What do you think? Well, it's definitely not Danny because, like you said, she never physically sat on the throne. She never sat on the throne. She touched I, it. And none of, none of the people did except for Cersei. Uh, in this episode, 
Um, yeah, you can't. You, you can argue that Brand Brand was the ultimate winner, but of, not of the thing that was being wagered on. Correct. He's the, he also he's not even the king of the seven kingdoms. He's the king of the six kingdoms. King of the six. Will, never did and never will sit on the uh, sit on the iron throne. Correct. So, just a really interesting thing to ponder. And I, I, I'm going to. Yeah. That's a question. I never, I never didn't think about that. But unlike the fake world of restaurants, Las Vegas is real, and people put real dollars on a fake TV show's person's butt to be on the Iron Throne, and I don't know what's going to happen. So anyway. Yeah. I didn't think about the gambling impl- implications last night. Good point, Kevin. That's why we had 24 hours to digest, and we think of all these random things. See, it's great. <laughs> okay, so another, another, another segue for you. The three best, or the two best spinoff ideas I've heard for pick characters in this series is clearly Arya's adventures in West of Westeros when she goes on, like, a journey. The other idea I've heard, which is great, is Tormund and Jon and kind of a buddy cop type show, but, like, up north of the wall. And I think if Tormund were the main character and Jon just had a couple cameos every, like, twice a season, they'd have a a pretty good thing cooking. Because I could watch, I could watch Tormund read the phone book, frankly. No, he's a fantastic character, and I bet he'd be game for it, too. I just get a sense. Oh, that dude's um, definitely. I saw that guy. I, I've been watching the show Lilyhammer on uh, Netflix. That, oh yeah, that actor Steve has a, Van Damme, right? Yeah, exactly. That actor has a cameo in season two, and I couldn't have been more excited to see him. By the way, also an actor with a cameo in season two, the guy who played uh, Thoros of Mir. So good for those guys. Oh really? Yeah, oh, nice good. to see. Nice to see Thoros of Mir. You know what I mean? No, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be a big fan of uh, Tormund. Giants Bane for the rest of my life, uh, like the, the actual actor. Um, but there's no way that that's going to be a spinoff because there's no way anybody's going to film uh, in places that are like beyond the wall. Uh, then nobody's going to sign up for any multiple seasons to, to do that anymore. That's fair. Well, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. Now, I do think the Aria show spinoff would be amazing, but can people on the internet, and I texted you and Dan this today, please stop comparing Aria to Christopher Columbus because. Christopher Columbus actually kind of did what Daenerys Targaryen did the other night. He murdered a lot, a, a number of people, sure. From, some, a, from some a different place. <laughs> some of it intended, some of it unintended via, you know, disease and smallpox and So such. I'm just saying, like, you know, she's an explorer and that's cool, but can we call her like Amelia Earhart or something instead? Jesus, Louisa's. <laughs> that's fair. Amelia Earhart. But, but she's also a sociopathic killer as well. Yes, where <laughs> Amelia Earhart didn't disappear... She actually yeah. just was just a sociopath somewhere on the streets of London or somewhere. Yeah. She's Jack yeah, the Ripper. We cracked the case. Anyway. But Arya needs a foil, though, if you're going to do a spinoff. Because she, she, like, her and the Hound were fantastic. Even her and Gendry uh, were. were. <laughs> I did see an awesome meme of Gendry rowing. And it was like, if Arya's going west, I'm rowing after her. <laughs> oh, poor Gendry. Hey, he's the Lord of, he's the Lord of Storm's End now, though, so good for him. Yeah, not bad. Okay, no. so um, another another weird flex. Let's go all the way to Danny's dead, John's in prison, Tyrion's in prison, Grey Worm brings Tyrion to like the dragon pit for yeah. the king's smoot, if you will. Didn't it fade to black after uh, after Drogon carried Sure Dan. did, and that was kind of like, why yeah. I alluded to it was two episodes. Carry carry her off like officer and a gentleman, uh, out and out into the air and, and uh Took her body and went. Who knows? God knows where. God knows where. Brand's gonna try to find her. We find that out at the end. But but anyway, how about the weirdest all-time out-of-place flex in the history of the show? Ed Mirtelli, you haven't been on the show 
in like three seasons. And before that, you were the phrase captive for three seasons. Why don't you go ahead and have a seat? I really enjoyed that, though. That was funny. I, 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 I liked it. Uh, <laughs> it was funny. Because you do, you do, when he stood up to start talking, you, and, like, we all knew that he was about to get absolute, absolutely backhand slapped by somebody. Um, I cringe. That, that's been his role through the entire, like, he, he has not had an episode where, it's, where it ends well for him. Whether when we first introduced to him at, uh, whose, whose funeral was it? Cat Stark's dad? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, and he's trying to light the, light the funeral pyre with the arrows. And then the yeah. blackfish has to come in. Yeah, yeah. When Hoster Tully died, his brother, the blackfish, had to wipe the thing because he was failing so hard. Yep. And and then I think that, you know, the next time we really see him is the Red Wedding. Uh, well, I, I mean, compared to how that ended for a lot of other people, I guess it ended fairly well for him and that he lived. But, you know, his wedding was the scene of, like, the largest mass murder up until last weekend um, in the city or in the in the Seven Kingdoms. Yep. And then uh, when they are taking River Run, and he's out there, they're he's being used as a hostage, and they're going to like launch him on a catapult or launch his kid. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. It, it was just—he's always been absolutely like cursed, uh, and then so for him to be the one to stand up first to be like, "I will take, I will sit to make his case," and then Sansa with such a line just says, "What did she say? Like, uh, sit down, Uncle." Uncle. Please sit down. <laughs> it was fantastic. Now, I, I, I was, re- I was uh, upset from a couple of the things that had happened, and when that happened, I laughed out loud, and it was fantastic. It yeah, that, that, that was a nice callback to, like, the times of yore, you know, when words, when words were weapons. It was good. Um, so let me ask you this about this whole meeting they have. So... Sam suggests um, a democracy. Everybody laughs out loud at him. Okay. Um, Grey Worm wants blood for... He wants, to, he wants to kill Jon Snow. He wants to kill Tyrion. But he completely gets played by both Tyrion and Bran by the end and really gets nothing. Because <laughs> Tyrion becomes a hand and Jon Snow gets to go take the black. So... Um, but Tyrion essentially goes from being on trial or whatever to suggesting that Bran the Broken, which I don't love the nickname, bad look, uh, become the king because he is the best story. What are your thoughts, Dan, on Bran having the best story? Because I disagree. Well, I mean, he's got, he doesn't have the best, he's the third best story of his siblings. Right. Um, he probably has the fourth or fifth best story of the people who are up on that panel. Yes. Um, so I, I I didn't like it. This was Tyrion's third soliloquy of, of the night, going hard. And after two or three seasons of him using his words to no effect, um, he has three huge important speeches that like shift the entire series yeah. um, in a forty-five minute span. And in, in it, he goes up there in chains. Grey Worm like orders him not to talk because he's a prisoner. And then he gives a two-minute speech that completely changes every leader up on that dais and how they've ever thought of uh, of government. Yeah, and I just didn't it didn't feel uh, given the the very deliberate pace uh, and of the of every episode before that for him to just go up there and then if he were to say John 
then you're like, okay, you could you can certainly make a case they've been making it for a couple of days or a couple of weeks with you know the bloodlines and the whatever his his uh, his CV is is filled with accomplishments. Yeah, in battle. a lot of bona fides. It seems he might be a little dim, um, but he, he certainly is a good heart and he's a great warrior. Um, Arya has, you know, not that I don't think she ever really was going to sit on the sit on the throne at the end of the day, but she has uh, her bona fides are pretty fantastic after killing the Night King. Um, and then Sansa, I I feel like would have been a fantastic candidate. So then to suggest Bran out of nowhere made me so upset. I mean, this is a guy who disappeared for seasons at a time. Yeah. You know? Um, and like I said in the beginning of the show, like, he just, a week ago, two weeks ago, he was denying the fact that his name was Bran Stark. Right. Um, he, he doesn't even want to be the Lord of Winterfell. He wants for nothing. He wants for nothing. He's got this, again, power of the three-eyed that we still don't know what it is. We still have no idea what he was doing with his eyes in the back of his head in the Werewood Forest while Theon was dying with all his men. Right. Um, it, that was never explained, which is a little frustrating. That's but really upsetting. That's really upsetting, actually. But then you can't make him like this, out of nowhere, this political climber, uh, when he was anything but from day one. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that that speech, that uh, John's ridiculousness and I have it having to be explained to him in the beginning of the episode why Danny's bad after he saw everything. And then this speech for Bran, specifically for Bran. The speech in itself would have been like, okay, whatever. But for it to be Bran, the the target of his uh, of his coronation for Tyrion, I, I, it just really frustrated me. Yeah, it was a mind blower. Um, really, again... Sansa clearly has earned the chops, and I know that we called that she'd be the queen a couple weeks ago, or I did, or we did, or whatever, but also, she technically is the queen, because she just got her own independent nation, but we'll get to that in a second. But, like, at least that's somebody who wanted the job, and who's actually got some bona fides, because she learned the hard way, how to play the Game of Thrones. Yeah. No, I don't think anybody can, no, certainly none of the Starks play the Game of Thrones better than Sansa does at this point. No, and now Cersei's dead, so she's out. Yeah. Baelish is out, Varys is out. Tyrion's out. I mean, you know, he's a prison. He's, he's best he can do is lobby for his life at this point. So, really interesting stuff. Um, but but here here we go. So, how about everybody says it's all good. Bran should be king. Even Yara Greyjoy, who five minutes earlier was like, I still am loyal to Danny until Arya was like, I'll cut your throat out. Which I liked because it was the first time Yara was like, yeah, this girl probably will cut my throat out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the Ironborn don't really uh, take a back seat to, to threats too often. So, you know, people respect the heck out of Arya. I was going to say, hey, you know, hey, while, while, you were, uh, while you were sailing around to get your undefended islands, I was killing the Night King, so no big deal. Yeah, she's arguably the most feared person in the, in the realm. Yeah, I could probably slit your throat from here. So anyway... Um, but but then they get around to Sansa and she's like, "I love you, little brother, but I'm not going to bend the knee." Well, like, doesn't that mean that the Prince of Dorne, who we don't even know who he is yet, and like the Iron Islands, two areas that always declare independence or are always unruly, aren't they going to like by lunchtime also declare independence? Isn't that kind of a weak move by Bran to be like, "Yeah, you're right. The North can be its own thing." Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised Bran did it because it's his sister and he's from Winterfell or whatever. 
I am surprised that there was no objection from the rest of the panel. Exactly, and they all just like took it. I, I don't see how the kingdom lasts. That's all I'm in, saying. In a, in a in a world that they have created, which is known for infighting and fighting amongst these families and cut, you know, you know, cutting each other's throat to, to get ahead from one family to the other. For one to just like step aside, like nah, I'm gonna do my own thing, and everybody be like, all right, cool. Um, it just seemed so out of character and so strange, and maybe it's a product of them being in horrible wars the last couple of years. But it was hard to believe. Very hard to believe. Which I hate to say, that's the part of the show that makes me the most upset because, like, but I think it is because the rest of it I can understand. But that's just so off-brand. Yeah. To for, for like for like Robin Aaron or somebody to pipe up and be like, hey, wait a minute, then maybe I want to be free. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I didn't, I didn't know that was on the table. Oh, we, we oh, we can be free, and then what? Then what was then what was Brand gonna do? He just just seemed a little silly. Um, but anyway, here's here's the part that I wanted to bring up. Maybe my final weird question of the night. But John's getting sent to the wall as punishment, right? Right. But the wall is no longer in their country. Because it's now the Six Kingdoms, and the Wall is in the north, and the north is Sansa's country. So it's really not Bran's choice to make. And, and literally, there is, is John now the only Night's Watchman? Because who's left? And that was my other point. My other point was going to be, do we even need a Night's Watch? One, there's a giant hole in the damn wall. Two, there's no more Night's King. Three, we're cool with the Wildlings. They helped... Defend the realm. Yeah. And nine tenths of the people who were up at Castle Black were wearing wild, wildling clothes. So to your point, there is no wall. So maybe Grey Worm just got duped. But the bottom line is, Jon Snow is now the king of the North of the North. Essentially, him and Tormund are running the show. Yeah. But it's not Bran's call anymore anyway because the North is no longer part of the realm. So the wall is no longer part of the realm. Boom. Yeah, and people are saying, like, oh, that's why Bran allowed it, or that's why they, they hashed out that plan, because they knew it just meant, like, John would live north of the wall, where, like, he feels most comfortable, quite honestly, right now. Sure. Um, but although, like, again, north of the wall, I got the impression that when all the wildlings came, and then Stannis, like, ran them over with his armies. Yes. That there wasn't a ton of them left by the time they got past, they and John let them in through the wall, and then after um, the battle of the bastards, and after the, I, I don't just like the Dothraki and the Unsullied. How many wildlings are left? I mean, they're just they're just also gremlins. You get them wet, and they reproduce. You know, they make more they make more wildlings. I don't know. Dozens, maybe. I don't like, but it seemed like there's more than because. There's not a, there's no colonies north of the independent north of there anymore. Everybody's been killed by right. Hard home's gone. Yeah, you know the, would, all that all stuff. All the zombies killed everybody else who didn't get through the wall. I would assume. Right. Um, but oh well, yeah. But yeah, John. It's not really a punishment because John's north of the wall. I'm not even sure if there is a Night's Watch anymore. It did look like they were reconstructing the wall when he came through, um, or they were trying to do some stuff. I don't know who the they actually was um, but also like why again there's no more Night's Watch there's no more Night's King there's no more wildlings that aren't like the beef is over like also the wall was built by Bran the Builder through magic you can't just rebuild the wall sorry guys 
Yeah, that's right. There was all sorts of. They, they probably talked about this in the books more than the show. Like that wall was protected by all these spells and incantations and such um, that only dragon fire could apparently break down. So I don't. Yeah, you can't really recreate that. So what are we gonna put some scotch tape on it and call it a day? I doubt it. Some chicken wire. Yeah, a couple of chicken wire, maybe maybe some duct tape, make it look good. So. Let's talk about this though. Tormund's alive. John is reunited with Ghost, and I just want to say to all the people who were killing the show, including us, they got us good because Ghost is waiting for John. He got to pet him, and they're going to spend the rest of their life together ostensibly. So they they kind of button hooked us on that one in a good way. That was a mildly happy ending for John Snow. He probably deserved better, yeah. uh, but he was also a big dunce too at many times. So he was a horrendous. Great warrior, horrendous thinker. I think he gets what he wants slash deserves, honestly. Yeah, that's uh, fair. The Unsullied are getting shipped off to Noth to, to defend everybody but Masanda. Nice, I guess. So here's a couple unanswered questions. Was Tyrion a Targaryen? Nah, I mean, at least maybe in the books it could be revealed something else. I, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I think I, for the show's purposes, you're right. I agree. Yeah. He was he was all Lannister uh, for better or worse. I want to talk about the uh, the Unsullied real quick because another thing that I feel like there just could have been a scene they could have made this episode two episodes and added a couple of scenes. Yeah, and it, it would have made everything would have made a lot more sense. People would have been more receptive. Um, and by people, I mean me. Uh, they they uh, you don't get to choose. <laughs> Yeah, like we go from the Unsullied stomping their spears and yep. like basically calling for blood and the pledging their devotion to to, uh, to Danny, and then basically the next scene we we the Grey Worm brings Tyrion weeks later to answer for his charges, and we don't really see the Unsullied again until they're just shipping off and they're like oh oh well I guess we'll just they killed the woman who we've been like worshiping and calling our mother for the last couple of years, and who freed us from sl- slavery, but we're all just like okay we left. We just imprisoned the guy and waited for a fair trial. Unlike, the, you know, the Lannister prisoners, they were slitting their throats in the streets. But this guy who actually killed our ruler, um, we'll just put them in prison. And then when he gets off to go to Castle Black, we'll just take a ship to, to Noth. Agree. Off-brand off again. I mean... It was just weird. And the Dothraki didn't even get that. They just they weren't spoken of again. Yeah, like, are they just going to stay in a foreign land and, and plunder? Like, what are they going to do? Are they going to... I mean, who knows? Who knows? And we'll never know. And that actually brings me up to two other questions that we might never know. Uh, what's up with Dario Naharis and Marine? <laughs> we never heard it. I, like, I kind of expected him to show up with some troops uh, in the King's Landing battle. Me too. Uh, but I guess they just didn't want to muddy the waters. Guess not. Um, can, Stan, can Sam still be with Gilly if he's now the Meister of uh, King's Landing? Oh, good question. I mean, good for all of us. We didn't have to see her last night. Sorry, Gilly, but it's true. But anyway. Well, you know what? You can be the Grand Meister, Meister, um, without being an actual Meister as Kyber. Kyber was definitely not a real Meister, for sure. Yeah, so there's precedent. You know, like maybe Sam with his talents, he can still study and do all. I guess they could allow him to take all the benefits of being a Meister with also taking the benefits of being a, uh, a man on the prowl. Uh. <laughs> sure That's a good point um, Alright, let me give you this um, Sorry, okay, yeah, yeah Mira Reed, who dragged Bran across the north 
with her brother Jojen and Hodor on a stupid sled in the snow. Her brother, Defe- her brother died protecting him. Defended him. Ho- if it wasn't for Hodor, they'd all be dead. Bran told her he's different now. He's nothing now. He's not Bran anymore. Why doesn't she get to at least come back and, and get a little bit of closure? The guy's the king, for goodness sakes. You made it possible for him. That's a major oversight, in my opinion. And like they, like he, they could have maybe even made a that could have been a throwaway line too of like saying where were they from? I forget they were like the swampy place. I forget the name. Of yeah, they're from Greywater. Yeah, Greywater. Yeah, and but they'd all always been like friends of the Starks. Yeah, I, I think that was her dad next to Sam between Sam and Edmure at the council meeting. Oh, uh, okay. I yeah, think that might have been Howland Reed, or he was dressed as, as like a kind of like a, mer- a frogman, if you will. So, I don't know. I know. I know. Robin Aaron was there. A teenage Robin Aaron. He's all grown up, and he's all grown up, and he's all grown up. Looking great. He did look good. All, all things considered. Next to the anonymous King of Dorne, he looked great. I guess when you breastfeed till you're 14, that's what happens. Hey, Manny Ramirez breastfed till he was eight, allegedly, and he had 500 home runs. Get out! Really? I, I, that was an urban legend around Boston back in the day. Was that Manny was utilizing that practice? Well beyond when it's socially acceptable for mothers to provide that for their children. Breaking news. Breaking news nine years late. <laughs> and again, unsubstantiated, unclaimed hearsay. But back to Game of Thrones. So now here's a couple questions for you. Would Cersei winning and or the Night King winning have been a more satisfying ending for you? can't imagine a world where either of them won. Like, you know, night, no, the Night King can't win. That's That couldn't have been. I, they could have made it ambiguous as to who won, whether it be the Night King. Like, I get that, like a cliffhanger type ending. Sure. But you can't have a clear Night King victory. That's just not how stories work. We, we would have been, people would not have been pleased with well, that. I, I was rooting for, and it wouldn't have happened, but I think it would have been great for the Night King to beat Cersei. You know, but that was never going to be the story. But that's a dark ending. You yeah. know, that's a, that's a, even, even to beat Cersei. I think Cersei winning would have been a real bold choice. Um, and I don't think I would have loved it, but I would have respected the heck out of it. Yeah, it would have been something. It would have been like, oh my God, I can't believe they like did that. Like if she pulled the rabbit out of the hat one more time, holy cow. Yeah. Again, yeah, yes. I'll just end there. I don't. I don't, need, I don't want to replay last week's battle. That's fair. Um, so let me give you a little bit of kind of parting shot on my end, and then I want to clean up anything you want to clean up and things like that. But okay, let's go back because I want to talk again to the folks who are really mad right now. I get it. But the Starks were the first people we were introduced to back in the day, 2011. The Starks were the original protagonists of the show, and the Starks essentially got down 3-0 in the series, if you want to look at Game of Thrones' seven-game series. Ned died. Cat and Rob died. Sansa went through hell. Bran was stuck in the tree, and, and Sodor saved him. Dan and I just talked about that. Rickon never had a shot. <laughs> the dire wolves were dropping like flies. Jon got stabbed and killed by his own men at Castle Black. Arya went blind and was being hunted by a little girl assassin. Yet at the end of the day, when the winds of winter blow, the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. They all came back 
and got it done. And so the original protagonists won everybody as best as they could. And now they're springing the realm and they're going to go their separate ways. The winter's over. But John gets to be free and kind of dumb and free with Tormund Giantsbane. Sansa gets to be a queen in her own right. Bran got the weirdest kingdom of all time. And Arya's going to go be an adventurer. So the Starks were the first good guys of the series and they won for the, they won for the most part. And I think people should just be happy for them. I think yeah. what people are bummed out is that they wanted Daenerys to get a happy ending. You think that's it? I think that's the most of it. I really think if Danny hadn't have flipped out last week and she just been the queen, I think America would be really happy right now. I really do. Yeah, but then where's the conflict? Correct, and that's my point. Whoever expected that to be what happened, you're you're kidding yourself. You're crazy. They killed Ned Stark at the end of season one. Danny was never going to live happily ever after. It was never going to happen. And it was great. Back in season one, they killed Ned Stark, and we were all pissed. But then we were like, "Man, that was awesome!" Like, and that's why I say, like, maybe if they were ultimately to let Cersei win, it would be like, I'd be, I'd be pissed, I'd be upset, but I'd be remembering it fondly five years later. It'd be sad. Like, it would be such a savage, yeah, yeah, such yeah, a savage choice. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, I mean, I'm overall incredibly happy with the series. I'm, I would have made some different choices, for sure. I really, honestly, Dan, here's my biggest thing. I would have just let Danny take over the human stuff first, slowly drip into madness, have them have to figure that out, and then have the last thing that happened be John kill Danny. Like after the Night King, you know, Danny's in charge, then they fight the Night King, Arya kills the Night King, we're all happy, Danny loses her mind, John kills her, fade to black. That would have been cool. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. They peaked um, too soon. Killing the Night's King in week three or four killed it. It was strange because, you know, we we were all told, I don't know who told us. Maybe we told each other. We all told, um, we all told each other this. We all told each other that, like, all these battles of families and whatever aren't the real thing. And nobody has their eye on the real prize. It's the Night King. It's the dead, dead good versus evil, dead versus alive. That's coming. And when they settled that in one episode, in season, you know, season, in episode three this year, it was sort of like we didn't, the stakes really got lowered. Yeah. Uh, and they weren't able to get that tension back. Because, I mean, that, you remember that episode, the first 25 minutes of that episode were as intense of television, uh, 25 minutes of television as I've ever watched. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was amazing. And then, you know, it's kind of diminishing returns when you have an 80-minute battle scene. By the end, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Uh, but it was still <laughs> excellent and amazing. Um, and then they just weren't able to recapture that tension after this giant existential threat for the last, since episode one of the series is, is taken care of. Then it's like, all right, how do, where do we go from here? Um, but, the, you know, it, it was a, a fantastic ride. I want to give one shout out to Brienne, Sir Brienne of Tar. Oh, yes. The, the head of the Kingsguard, um, who also, I, I, a lot of, this is a controversial quick scene, not really controversial, but like people had some opinions about her finishing, uh, Jamie's entry into the, uh, the book of the Kingsguard. What's Correct. It called? Like, Correct. Yeah. Um, it was not, Jamie didn't deserve it, but I thought it was very lovely that how she did that. Um, I thought it was really nice. Brand, um, and I like classy. Yeah. 
classy, super classy, and she got the ending that she deserved. Yeah. Um, the head of the king's guard, um, you know, she, that's that's kind of that's that's the perfect ending for her. It really is, uh, and that actually brings up the very end, which is the kind of the new small council. So Bronn gets Highgarden, which is the castle I, he yeah. wanted. He, I don't. That's what this is on the very small. I, I have big like story choices that are that I, that upset me. Bronn being the master of coin was really it didn't seem right. Well, it's just dumb. Yeah, it's incredibly dumb. But I just want to point out a couple things though for Bronn. It seems like there's been an unusually high number of wardens at the south because usually they get killed first. So good luck to that. Good luck to you, Bronn. Um, <laughs> small council, Bronn, my master of coin, weird choice. Brienne of Tarth, Kingsguard, commander, great choice. Sam is the Meister, strong choice. Tyrion is the hands, whatever. Davos is the master of ships. How about Dan? Let's take a bow. Your boy Davos is still alive. He lived. He lived. But like he never. Believe. You never had to cry that cry. Davos and Brienne were the North Stars of this show. They were always morally in the right. Um, well, I don't really remember Davos during the Black Battle of the Blackwater. But for the I most part, he was on the bad side there. But I mean, he was just doing his job. He was working for Stannis. All... Hey, Stannis is the boss. Yeah, exactly. They were always good people, um, and I'm glad that those two. And I guess Sam, too. Um, so I guess the people who are always good and always made the decisions for the better, for or always had a moral compass, kind of made off well. They did. They did. And then, like, you know, Bronn and Tyrion are kind of more, you know, hucksters, more kind of certainly yeah. gray in their intentions. and They work the margins. Yes, yeah. they do. Now... The last part I want to talk about, because I skipped over this, but Bran asks if anybody's heard from Drogon. <laughs> and then he gets wheeled away and says, I'm going to see if I can find him, which I'm guessing he's going to go try to warg into him maybe or something. I guess, but like, I, I yes, I, I, that's what I assume too, but you can't make those inferences like that if you've never really explained his powers. Correct. Like, you know, we've seen him go into the dire wolf, but we know like basically all the Starks can do that with their own dire We've seen him go into crows, cool party trick, but you know, uh, you know, I don't know how cool, how awesome that is. If he can get into the dragons, why didn't he do it before? Totally. Um, and yeah, so yeah, that's I think that's what that meant. It makes sense, um, but it's just you can't yada 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 that if you've never even tried to explain the the types of powers he has. That's one hundred percent true and well said. So, mm-hmm. yep. what else you got to close it out? That's it. You know, I, I know it sounded, I was a bit negative with the story choices, but like I said, and like to reiterate what you said too, it was a fantastic time. This was a wonderful series. It was well acted most of the time. Most of the time. The, the story choices were, it, I, I could go back and watch some old seasons and I just really wanted, like it was just a great story. It was fantastic. This last season was a little uneven, um, but overall it was amazing. And uh, it was thank you to the listeners for joining us and for listening along with us. And how I hope they enjoyed the show and the pod as much as uh, as you and I enjoyed doing it. Yeah, well said. Definitely thanks to everybody. Filibuster Freestyle really has enjoyed the Wine Wall and Dragons over the last three or four years. It's been fantastic to do. Um, yeah. The Freestyle will move on. We're going to have to figure out a new role for Dan uh, on the show because, um, you know. Again. 
to have my lawyers call your lawyers. And we're going to do that. We're going to do lawyer talk and see, and the crack legal team will dust off the old briefcase and see if they can make a fair offer. But, you know, it's everybody else. Game of Thrones, man, I'll tell you what. And how fun will it be to rewatch these when they're randomly on on HBO over the next five years, too? You know, like... It'll be great. Like, there's, like, things in, like, season one that I haven't seen in forever that I would like to get back to. And I, I don't know if I'll hate it or love it, but, like, seeing, like, Joffrey again, ugh, he was so terrible. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm excited to do that. It'll be great, like, when nothing else is on, you can always fall back on those apps. Yeah, and it's, like, it's, it's just like The Wire or Breaking Bad or any other great show Or sometimes, if you already know what happens, you just kind of go back in and look at how they told that story that day. You know, and honestly, I'm still rooting for George R. R. Martin to finish these books and give us maybe the ending that that he's either still working on or, or has been holding very tightly kept secret for the last few years. All right, Dan, stick around for a second. We will catch up. Everybody else, it's been a pleasure. My liege, my leal lords, lieges, and ladies, Wine Wall and Dragons, <laughs> one more time. Philip Freestyle. Dan, thanks for being on, buddy. Thank you, Gab. It's been a pleasure.